Named as one of the top 50 health influencers by PR Week and Fast Company's 50 People to Watch in the New World of Work, our next guest is a globally recognized healthcare innovation leader that inspires so many others to create impactful solutions that can bring positive change to the healthcare industry. Gil Bash, Managing Partner of Global Health for Finn Partners, joins us to discuss his journey from the battlefield to the boardroom and his mission to inspire others to advance people's well-being and access to health innovation. Additionally, Gil shares why he continues to seek to mobilize communities of influence through his work at Finn Partners and as a health policy author for Medical Life on Medium as well as where he sees healthcare innovation heading into the future and how and why you should be part of this exciting movement. Join us for this energy-filled and inspirational message from Gil as we continue to work together to move the health of our communities forward. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Gil. Welcome to our podcast. I'm thrilled to be able to meet up with you today. Mike, it's such a privilege and also to be with you and all of the Passionate Pioneer podcast listeners. Well, I have been looking forward to today's conversation for quite some time, Gil. Given your passion and global industry leadership in moving healthcare innovation forward. But before we jump into all the things you've been up to for so many years, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Gil, it's almost time for our community to learn how you've been so dedicated to leading teams that have contributed to numerous global med tech and biopharma blockbusters in cancer, diabetes, heart, respiratory, women's health, and non-communicable and orphan disease therapies. The list is extensive. Your presence in the industry is far-reaching, and we're going to dive into all that. But first, I'm going to randomly select a question to get to know you here. And we're talking travel, my friend. Now, I know we're still locked down a bit with the pandemic. We're being safe. And I know you're a world traveler. You've been all over the place. Where's your favorite place on earth and why? Well, Mike, that's a great question because before COVID-19, I don't think I've been near an airport in more than a year. But my favorite place in the world is an area of desert overlooking the Sinai Peninsula. It's called the Midbar Kadesh, the Kadesh Desert. I go there frequently. There's nothing there but a vast expanse. And I sit there on a cliff overlooking what seems to some nothingness to me is everything. And I appreciate the fact that I'm but a speck. I'm organic. I'm finite. I'm temporary. And appreciating the fact that the desert remains and we come and go, I would say it's a real baseline setter for me. I understand that I am blessed with time that must be used wisely. 
and for the purpose of helping other human beings. So sometimes when we understand that something lives on after us, is bigger than us, it really helps us appreciate the fact that we're part of it, it is part of us, we're part of each other, and there is a huge opportunity to make a difference in this world. Wow, that is powerful. How did you initially discover this place and did it just impact you even that very first time? How did you initially discover it? Well, that's also a very important question. I'd say like sort of hiking and marching through it was some of it. And also reading, you know, there's uh, great books, even the Bible talks about the vast expanse of people wandering in this desert for 40 years. And actually, usually about this time of year is when I historically would have gone. Obviously, I'm not traveling right now, but I have traveled through it, a lot of it on foot. It's hard to believe. But each time I'm there, I feel I'm there anew. And each time I'm there, when I see an oasis, a stream of water, I realize just seeing those few trees, that stream of fresh water in the middle of no place, how miraculous this world is, how special this world is, and our responsibility as stewards for the planet to take good care of the gift we've been given. Wow, that's really cool. I'm going to have to get there one point in time. I've never been to that specific area of the world myself. I got to get over it. I cannot wait to be able to start traveling the globe again. I think we're a lot alike, Gil, besides you know, trying to push healthcare forward and trying to continue to innovate and make health better for all. My other big passion is traveling the world, and I cannot wait to get back out there. I, I'm sure you're- I hope to see you either where you are. You're in Colorado, aren't yeah, you? Oh yeah, Denver, Colorado. Absolutely. I hope to be there seeing you soon, obviously, but if not in an airport or perhaps we'll be in the desert together. Or fingers crossed, even if it's at a conference hall, you know, hey, fingers crossed, we may be doing hymns this year. We might be doing health conference this year, later on in 2021. Fingers crossed, we shall see. And if so, I cannot wait to hopefully get the opportunity to sit down and break some bread with you, my friend. Be great. Looking forward to it. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your love of travel, Gil. Again, I'm right there with you. And I'm looking forward to discussing your journey and mission after we get back from thanking our Community Champion sponsor. With rising burnout, malpractice, digital and personal risks, clinicians face greater than a million dollar liability. And in today's climate, busy frontline healthcare workers don't have the capacity to attend to these risky blind spots. But the AdaptTrack team is bringing hope and solutions to the healthcare industry. AdaptTrack's mission is to help clinicians and their practice teams work and live better. AdaptTrack's 30-second nudges unlock Category 1 continuing medical education credits along with insurance savings while meeting the busy clinician where they are. On Clubhouse, during weekend nature walks, through all of helps, from this podcast, and over 3,000 additional work-life moments. To learn more about AdaptTrack and how you can engage in active learning that drives a 5x plus ROI, a 30x time savings, and an experience clinicians will love, head over to AdaptTrack.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. We are back with Gil Bash, Managing Partner of Global Health at Finn Partners. Gil, you have had an amazing journey. You are an inspiration to so many of us in the industry. We take a lot of our cues from you and uh, can't believe that I finally had an opportunity to land you on the podcast so our community can hear your story. And really, it's from battlefield to boardroom. Nothing has kept you from advancing people's well-being and access to health innovation. You know, you were a combat medic 
in an elite paratrooper unit and you tended to the wounded under fire. And as a C-suite and global practice leader, you see communications as the bridge to connect healers with those seeking to be healed. Powerful. And today with your work, you seek to mobilize communities of influence through your work at Finn Partners. We're going to dive into your current work at Finn Partners. We're very fortunate and with my day job over at Olive, we're very fortunate to be working alongside and with all of you. You're incredible. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal work together. But we're going to go there in a moment on what you're doing currently at Finn Partners. And of course, for our community of leaders that are tuning into the podcast, where you see things heading with health innovation, what you're seeing, because you are a global influencer, you're seeing it from very many different aspects and very different perspectives, which is good and healthy to, for all of us to contemplate where things are going next. And then, of course, we're going to ask you how we can be helping you. But for now, Gil, take us back. Take us back to that battlefield. Take us back to those moments that really started shaping you to what you are today and what you mean to so many of us in this industry. Take us back. You know, Mike, I think anybody who's been in that situation goes back frequently and unfortunately doesn't need to be invited as you've been so kind to do that. Those images, they're very vibrant, vivid, do play through my mind from time to time. But I'm left with inspiration each time I think about those moments. So it wasn't just caring for wounded comrades under fire. It was also caring for enemy soldiers or formerly enemy soldiers under fire. And that's a little different in terms of the role of the medic. In my case, able to sort of squeeze out the sense of flag and faith and all of a sudden see humanity, sometimes at its uh, most vulnerable, frail moments, and recognizing that we're really shadows of each other. So I think the most vibrant or the most exciting moment I can say, and I was a combat medic in combat, which is a little different than many people, and also under fire, pulling enemy combatants out, dangerous situations, and caring for them and evacuating them. I suddenly realized the frailty of humanity and the fact that we all are looking to be helped and healed. But the reason communications is so important, you know, for those of us who speak you no know, two or three languages, but not necessarily every language, I recognize that healing in itself is a language and it is underappreciated. The touch, the look, the concern, even when we're in our own desperate situation, I think we have to take into account that we have a responsibility to each other. Also, as a combat medic in villages, sometimes people would come out with sick children, sick elder people. It's not just caring for soldiers. Sometimes it's caring for people who are in harm's way. We see a lot of this in refugees. I was in refugee camps. I did care for people. I did set up aid stations there and medical stations caring for people's children. It left a lifelong impression on me, Mike, that I'm very grateful for. And I also appreciate the fact that you and I are just speaking to each other by way of technology today. Thankfully, we're not on a battlefield. But for someone who's been diagnosed with a serious ailment, a rare disease, a cancer, a neurologic condition that could be life-threatening, they are in a fight for their life. And I feel not only empathy for them, I feel, as someone involved in our community of health, responsibility to share in the journey, share in the struggle, share in the reach for innovation that can improve their condition. So 
on one hand, I never dreamt at those moments that um, my role as a combat medic would open the door to a lifelong career in health. But I have to say, it most certainly has. I never expected it. It started, Mike, I'll just say from an unusual place. I had been wounded earlier in my military service, returned to my unit, elite paratrooper unit, and asked to go through combat medic training because of my interest in my own journey. So we see the serendipity of life. We really have to open our eyes to the miracles that are given to us each day. I never jump from being injured in a hospital for six months. I would become a combat medic, be in those situations, and be called upon to help people. You know, quite, you know, it is a special story that inspires me today. So powerful. And it is amazing too. I love the words that you've chosen about language and the healing thereof and the ability from my perspective too of what communication can do to build community, right? It is just a powerful force. Let me add to what you're saying, Mike, about communication and community, because it's something I think close to what you and perhaps Olive do, which is information is a form of communication. And right now we are exploring as a society What is the role of access to information in our lives? And so we all have a responsibility to look at how people can access or can't access information and work collectively to democratize, make accessible information that actually is essential for providers, for payers, for people who are patients. That's a very important role that you serve, that your organization serves that we're proud to be part of. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, and we take it very seriously. I mean, that's a passionate bunch over here, as you know. The Oliverse is an amazing group of people, and we are laser-focused on you know removing a trillion dollars of waste in healthcare and getting this industry healthy again. But the only way we're going to do it, and you know this, Gil, is we got to do this together, right? It's going to take all of us to get there. And we at Olive, we are very grateful for the part that we have to play in this. But our job is to help be the guide in this journey to really uplift the heroes, just like you are with your work and making sure that we cross that finish line together. Yeah, and Mike, you know, you talked about the $3 trillion we spend in this nation alone on health. And you know quite well that of that $3 trillion, actually a slice of that goes to actually providing people with care. And a big slice of that goes to the system itself. You know, the system administering the system. I think that you and your colleagues are playing a very vital role and examining how do we better use those precious resources. Not that we'll spend less necessarily within the system, but maybe those monies will go for where they were really intended. They'll go to support innovation. They'll go to support the role of healthcare providers in serving their mandate, which is to care for patients. And therefore, having a firm handle on where we are spending money is actually, it's not just a fiscal responsibility, it's a patient care responsibility. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Gil, building on that too, and, and you take your responsibility very seriously, you know, given you know, with not only with your career and your service, but you through it all, you've been dedicated to making a difference in people's lives and making sure that you're instilling a culture where colleagues are empowered to do the same. And so I want to dive into the work happening at Finn Partners. Now, you've been there for almost six years. It's one of the most admired firms out there. You're the managing partner of Global Health. And I got to tell you, and a lot of people know in the industry, no matter where we turn, even you know, pre-pandemic when we were physically getting together at conferences, symposiums, or summits, 
And now virtually, wherever we turn, there's Gil. I mean, you are an amazing thought leader, your voice on stage and what you bring to those environments as we learn together is just so powerful. And I love on your LinkedIn, you say, ambassador for health communications as the bridge connecting healers and those seeking to be healed. Powerful. It all starts with communications again. When you go to your doctor's office or you get a blood test and you're waiting for the results of that blood test, let's be honest with each other. When you're bold going into you know, to the phlebotomist to give the blood, but when the results come in, doesn't everybody have a little bit of anxiety wondering what the report says? And not because we feel we're being graded like a report card. We're anxious about what that report might say. So communications isn't just about data. It's really about our being able to understand what's the path ahead, the path for health or the path for healing. I love it. Now, Gil, let's talk a little bit about Finn and what you're doing there with the global health practice. I know that you're championing the talent and ideas of the nation's healthcare agency of the year. Again, like I said, we're very closely coupled with you here at Olive. Give us what that means tactically, Gil. What are you doing? What are you helping lead at Finn? What does that mean for us in the industry? And then, of course, after that, we're going to pivot a little bit and talk about what's future state? What should we be thinking about, right? The world has changed dramatically over the past 15 months. But let's start there. What are you working on at Finn Partners? What does it mean to be the managing partner of Global Health? Well, first of all, it's a huge privilege. I'm working with more than 700 colleagues around the world who are really exceptional in what they do, but what drives them is really a sense of belief that what they do makes a difference in the world. No, I think that a successful organization has to be very, very mindful, very, very mindful of what's its purpose. We talked at the very beginning, you asked me where I go. I said, I go to the desert. I overlook the desert. It makes me feel finite and organic and temporary. Well, we certainly don't want people feeling they're temporary at Finn. We want them to be lifelong members of our community. But yet we must have people recognizing that our mission actually is priority, our mission to make a difference in the world. So I think that the success that you outlined isn't happenstance. It's not by accident. It is actually artful. And it stems from Peter Finn's vision that we're to be an agency with a heart and soul that any major company in the world would want to work with, a heart and a soul. He doesn't say anything about the tactics. He doesn't say anything about the knowledge. He doesn't say anything about the money. He talks about heart and soul. The success really is rooted in that vision and our values, which guide our collective behaviors and work. You know, collaboration is a superpower and we exercise it every day around the world. So some of the things we're working on that I think are groundbreaking. First of all, you asked also, what do we do? Health communications really is vast. I mean, we're working obviously as you know, in the area of thought leadership for executives or corporate communications, brand communications, we represent some of the most important life-saving health products around the world. In many of the therapeutic categories you mentioned earlier, we're working on breakthrough products that are not yet approved by the Food and Drug Administration for general use, but are being studied very, very closely in devastating diseases, whether it be cancer, whether it be neurology, or products that really change people's life for the better, women's health, and a variety of different areas. Obviously, we're dealing with diagnostics, medical devices. We're dealing with digital health. We're dealing with health information. We're dealing with health provider systems, major hospitals in the United States and around the world. I'm I'm proud to say we're dealing with patient groups of note, major patient groups. 
And of course, we're dealing in the area of health policy. And we're providing a variety of different services, brand, thought leadership, investor relations, scientific communications, key opinion leader analysis, the wide gamut of services that we're called upon to deploy for our clients around the world. So that just gives you a snapshot of what's going on. But I think the accolades that you mentioned really just follow a sense of wanting to do amazing things for clients because, in fact, we all recognize that there's a patient in our lives who needs us. You know, thankfully, it may not be us at this time, but with life, we all become a patient. Disease will all catch us at some point or another. And so we're setting the tone right now, Mike, for how we want to be treated in the future. We want access to innovation. We want access to information. We want access to insight. And we want access to inspiration to sustain our lives. Well, speaking of sustaining our lives right now and also thriving, right? And thinking Mm -hmm. through that, Gil, you are that thought leader that's at the table, that's in the C-suite that are at those big tables making the massive decisions in our industry. You mentioned, you know, working closely to shape thought leadership, et cetera. Gil, I got to ask you, because you have a unique perspective, this has been a tumultuous, uh, just incredibly pressure cooked year, almost year and a half with COVID. How are our leaders in this industry doing? And I always love to try to figure out how to bring in mental health and well-being on our conversations on this podcast, because it means so much to me. And I'm the type of person that wants to really bring mental health and well-being out of the dark corners of our society and into the light and celebrate it and talk about it and normalize it. And so I want to ask you as one of our key leaders and influencers, Gil, how are our industry leaders doing through this pandemic? I'm going to separate this, our industry in terms of the health industry, which is broad. No, that includes patient groups and payers and product innovators, includes policymakers, includes providers. That's our health industry. And actually, I think this has been a time where our sector has performed very, very well. I think that the speed in which vaccines have come out into the marketplace, both in terms of the drug development, the regulatory process, and the ability to begin to access them was obviously miraculous. And that's because of great collaboration, the recognition that corporate business cards cannot be the deciding factor of the sustainability of the world. But there have been some very, very troublesome moments that I think have always existed, Mike. And we need to look at them candidly because those are the things we need to address and correct and quickly because we're facing some big, big problems coming up in health. I'm happy to address that mental health being one of those. Biggest problem I think we're facing right now is the fragmentation of our health system. And what happened during Operation Warp Speed is a lot of that fragmentation was sliced out of the equation to enable the drug development, the scientific process, the scientific review, the regulatory process, and uh, government blessings in essence to be consolidated. How about people who are facing cancer? How about people with heart disease? How about people with chronic and serious mental illness? Should they wait? So you see on one hand, we have this shining example of coming up with vaccines that can sustain us. But how about cancer? And so that's a question we've got to ask ourselves right now. How do we make that system that worked for us here, the pandemic, work for other people who are facing life-threatening situations every day. 
So that's the good part of our system. How did our leaders do? And there's a problematic aspect of our system. Our system is highly fragmented in this country. And even with COVID and the vaccination rollout, we see we actually have at least 51 health systems in the United States. We had states negotiating or bidding against each other for preventive care equipment. We have states with different vaccination policies, different prevention policies. And we forget the fact that a virus does not care about your state borders. A virus is happy to cross between Texas and Oklahoma, between Texas and New Mexico. It does not care about your state policy one iota. And so in areas of public health, I think we have to get a little wiser looking at COVID-19, hopefully by end of this year, a little more in our rearview mirror and recognize that we have to put people first. The other aspect I just want to touch on, Mike, because I was very disturbed when the Johnson & Johnson vaccine came out and the Wall Street Journal was writing about, gee, it's only this effective and that effective. The need for sometimes journalists to rush into the fore without analyzing the news, without sitting back and getting all the information. All these vaccines, the Moderna vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and obviously there's some questions on the, on the AstraZeneca vaccine, but all of these vaccines are miraculous, no doubt about it. They all require communication. And when we're not certain, it's usually been because some element of the media jumped and then everybody followed very quickly. So that's where the system actually needs a little more fine tuning. We need to go back to being accurate. We need to understand that communications can create chaos. You know, we call this a pandemic. Well, there's the pandemic of the virus and there's the pandemic of miscommunication. I think we are now, now getting our act together with the aspect of organization around vaccination. I still think we need to get our act together a bit more around communication. So that's one element. The other element that I'm very concerned about that's come out because of COVID-19, but we really need to put our cards up on the table and start to examine this, is something you mentioned, non-communicable diseases. People are not going to see their doctor right now because they're fearful of getting out there and speaking to going out and being exposed potentially to virus. So we are probably going to have a pent up wave of illness, such as heart disease, undiagnosed heart disease, prediabetes that's progressing to type 2 diabetes, and even undiagnosed cancers. You know, women who are not seeing their OBGYNs for standard pap smears, mammography exams, all of that awaits us. I live in the question. But I do think what's going to come out is the fact that we have a sick care system, not a health care system. People access the system when they're sick, but we're not accessing the system when they're well. So in terms of corporations, my advice actually to corporate America is to recalibrate. We spend billions on health insurance, and we must. Health insurance actually allows us to access the system. 52% of Americans have their health insurance by way of employers. Another majority are self-insured or open exchange. We're going to have to find a way to your point about looking at the administrative costs of health and ask corporations to say, is there a way that you can begin to invest as a leadership force with your employees? Can you invest in their wellness as opposed to 
covering with insurance for their sickness. So I think in the absence of a public health system that's working for America, maybe corporate America has to step to the plate and begin to engage. So I hope I answered your questions there. You did. And one I want to go back to, and it's pretty darn cool to tie this all together, that we at Olive, there was a press release back in February 2021 that, of course, our team and our friends over at Finn Partners, uh, specifically Rachel Forsyth, uh, helped us with. Great colleague. Yeah, she's, she's wonderful. Great colleague. And, and one of the things I want to touch on, Gil, that I think is so important because it's really foundational and fundamental of how we do bring healthcare into the light and get it healthy again. And you mentioned it right at the top of your comments on this segment, and it's this notion of the industry being disconnected, these silos, et cetera. And I just want to read a little bit of something from our CEO, Sean Lane, that is just so profound that keeps us motivated every single day at Olive, and it's to your point. And here's what he said. He said in this press release in February 2021, and it was titled, Olive's Internet of Healthcare Reduces Operational Burden at 600 plus hospitals. And here's what he said to your point, Gil. He said, quote, when I was at my hometown hospital, one thing became abundantly clear. Healthcare didn't have the internet. Patient experiences I've witnessed for myself and my family opened my eyes to how many processes could be done better in healthcare. And to me, there was one true solution. Build an internet of healthcare, connect all of healthcare's disparate technology to fix a broken system. And that's the idea that started all of and is core to our vision of building the internet of healthcare, revealing life-changing outcomes. Trust me, I am all in on this. It is amazing. The biggest industry in the United States being one of the most disconnected. Absolutely. Sean has it nailed. I'm glad you read that quote, Mike, because he is so correct. You know, it's a little bit like we don't have health records that communicate easily. This past week, was the Cures Act rule on information blocking. And in theory, of course, people, patients, are supposed to have easy access to their health information. But let's face it, I know just a few days ago in my own family, a doctor said to a member of the family, I have to fax you over some information. Do you have a fax mic? Do our listeners actually have fax machines in their home? I don't. I got rid of my fax machine quite some time ago. A physician's office unable to PDF a file and send it in some secure way. Sean is really a pioneer. You know, he is a pioneer, a passionate pioneer, I might add, in trying to not only elevate the challenges we all are facing, our system is facing, but also through his work at Olive, is really trying to get the message out that we need to create a highway so that the system can get on the road together and work for people who have health concerns. I love it. I love it. And then also another point that I want to touch on that you mentioned, and I we're so passionate about it at all of as well, and it was pretty much required reading at the organization. It was going really thinking about through the notion of sick care and the environment that we're in, because I couldn't agree more with you. And if you haven't read a Gill and to our community, highly recommend quick read. It's unhealthcare a manifesto for health assurance written by Silicon Valley entrepreneur and investor, Hamet Tanasia, as well as Jefferson Health CEO, Stephen Clasco. Unbelievably powerful read. Mike on my coffee table. table. (laughs) Of course. But let's talk about Steve just for a microsecond. Yes. Steve is not only president of a great medical system in Philadelphia 
And we've worked together with the American Heart Association. Both of us were featured in an ad as American Heart Association volunteers. And Steve, though, is a heart disease survivor. He's, I believe, had open heart surgery. And so not only is he a physician who's passionate about essentially health information innovation, he understands this situation not from the sense of the illustrious physician, royalty of the medical system still and should be. He understands it from the point of view of patient. And that makes him passionate about his role. And also, Steve understands that the system can be the obstacle to innovation. And Steve works tirelessly to lower those barriers. So he's not just an industry leader of a major medical system. He is also in the role of empathetic advocate. Well, which is so important, right? And we need that more than ever right now. We need to bring that sense of empathy and that understanding of what's happening, really essentially, with the end end user, the consumer, the patient, right? It's so important during this time. And I'm so, so thrilled to hear that you do have that on your coffee table. It was a phenomenal read. So sounds like Steve is a personal friend. Give him my best. Tell him it was awesome. Uh, hopefully they will expand on it. It was phenomenal. And it was really cool too that while they were in the midst of writing it, how they did then weave into the manifesto in real time, what was happening with the pandemic. It was just a brilliant read, incredible work. Tell him, great job. It was phenomenal. I will. Well, Gil, let's now start fast forward and let's go future state. I love how you're thinking. Again, as I said earlier, you get so many different perspectives, so many different segments of the industry in so many different places of the world and the learnings and the teachings that you bring other thought leaders in the industry are just so profound and so important. And so with that, Gil, what does our industry look like? I mean, even just in a year, look what we did with telehealth on the compression of what's going to happen in the next five to 10. We compressed it down in a year. We cleared the way of a lot of the red tape, uh, fingers crossed, hopefully nothing will get clawed back. But look what we did with mRNA technology on the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So much has happened in this ash pile of COVID-19 heap of ashes and these phoenixes that have risen out of it. What's happening now? Here we are. We're early April 2021, vaccine rolling out. It's ramping up quickly. What does the next 18 to 24 months look like? What are you focused on? What should we be mindful of as leaders in this industry? First of all, I think that there is a hunger and appetite for health innovation right now in every sector. I think that we're finding that with the sense of mRNA, for instance, the whole vision of new, that I think there's new perspectives that are happening. But I also think that, keep in mind, mRNA was not a new idea. It was a new idea applied to a pressing problem. Sometimes humanity looks at challenge or crisis, and it allows them to look at many different routes, this being one of them, of course. Now, the other vaccines took a different path, and they're also very important and also very successful. So I think one, we have to look and not assume. We have to be open-minded. That's going to be critical. I think our system needs to be revisited, refined. I think that the system cannot be the customer. Humanity has to be the customer. I think that's new. Some of the things that we're working on right now that I think are amazing They range from everything from new treatments in the area of neurology, mental health, neurologic conditions specifically. We're looking at oncology. We're looking at a whole array of new treatments that are coming out 
that may actually be tremendous breakthrough treatments, cell therapy, all of this is going to happen, but it won't happen just by the innovation industry, you know, fast forwarding. Actually, I think that rather than looking at some of these innovations from the point of view of prove it to me, I think that we need to have both payers and policymakers and, and providers, of course, and patient groups and the product innovators come to the table and actually try to revisit a very critical behavior, which is the behavior of collaboration. So the one thing I'm really hoping comes out of this COVID-19 era is people realizing that when we collaborate, great things will happen. When we don't collaborate, we create bureaucracy. And it's bureaucracy that I think is harming the world. Something that I also think that has to really be woven into the health conversation, the environment. The environment has become a separate conversation from health. And the fact is when we don't have clean air, we don't have clean water, we don't have clean soil, we have the challenge of human sustainability we'll face. So another book that's on my coffee table, Mike, is Bill Gates' book on the environment. It's a great read. It's an important read. I think anybody in the health industry should be recognizing that we can't just focus on a specific illness, molecular structure. We've got to focus on the health of humanity. So, you know, I'm hopeful that in the next 18 months, environment and health will unite together to create a healthier planet, healthier people, healthier children. That's important to me. I also think that as I look forward optimistically in the next 18 months, there's a conversation always, you hear this, we should invite the patient to the table. Well, guess what? It's their table. We invent in order to serve their interests. How is it that we're treating ourselves as if we're the customer and they're there to help us? We're here to help them. So I think some of the things we're going to see, there's a great pioneering movement. You may know them, Dr. Amir Kalali and Craig Lipsit. Oh, yeah. Are great. Two great scientists have created and are leading a group with more than, I think, 100 industry members called the Decentralized Trials Research Alliance, DTRA.org great organization. I think they're going to get a lot of steam and headway. I look for that. I think that people are hungering for meetings where they can come together and partner with each other and learn more about each other. We're going to see a lot of that coming on. But Mike, we're also going to see some setbacks. And I just want to put that on the table. Telehealth happened because providers were not having people come into their office. And so obviously telehealth became a very important alternative path. It will only continue to be strong and exist with both provider and payer support. The patient, we have demonstrated we're all for it, but unfortunately we don't have always the deciding voice. The physician, the healthcare provider, and the payer have a lot to say here. Let's hope that they continue to lean into this and recognize it. I just want to say each state has its own telehealth law still. Someone who's diagnosed with a serious cancer in Illinois actually cannot speak to a physician at MD Anderson on a telehealth visit. I understand they have to first have been patients on a face-to-face basis. We've got a lot of self-correcting to do still on this program, but I'm hopeful as you are, we're going to make it happen. 
Well, thank you for sharing a lot of those insights, Gil, and I'm right there with you on pretty much all of it. And it's fun also to think about that power of community, power of collaboration, coming back together when we can, when it's safe to do so again, to really challenge ideas, you know, assume nothing, challenge everything. And you mentioned a mutual friend, Amir Kalali. He's actually booked. He's going to be on an upcoming episode. So stay close to the podcast. We're going to be able to get him on. And, and be a listener. Oh, got to be a listener. Dr. Kalali is one of the best. He is. He's amazing. And, you know, of course, we also have had Dr. Stefano Abini from Doc SF on talking about what they're doing there. You know, their wonderful work with Doc SF, just incredible work happening over there as well. well so, Passion Pioneers podcast is a leadership platform and you get the best guests across government. I'm honored to be with you today and with the listeners. And it's just a privilege. Well, that's why you're here, my friend. I'm honored to have you. So let's flip the script a little bit here and then ask where we can get a hold of you as well. What is one problem, need, or question, Gil, that you have or your team has that we can be helping you with? We do have some of the brightest and most passionate minds in the industry tuning in on the weekly. How can we be helping you? Well, first of all, what would be very, very helpful is exchange of information. A lot of us are writing, we're speaking with each other. I'm a very big believer of composite IQ. Sometimes when you're on the service side, people assume that you're only willing to help or listen if you're a client. That's not true. We need to recognize that we're each other's allies. So one thing the listeners can do if they have ideas listening to our podcast or conversation today, Mike, and they feel that they have some insights they want to share, I hope they'll send them along to me. If they have a problem where they think my insights could help them resolve, and I speak to many people in the course of a month who are not clients or want to be clients, but they actually don't need our services, they need to speak to someone else to resolve their problem. I want to help. And I do want to give a very quick example. I was speaking to a women's health diagnostic company. They had a problem. They read one of my pieces on reimbursement, the challenges of reimbursement for health innovation. They thought for certain I could help them. They really need to speak to experts in the area of Beltway uh, regulatory law. I put them in touch with someone and they're getting the help they need. So the problem that I would help that people would feel turn to me to turn to us at Finn Partners is to recognize we're here to champion health innovation and help it successfully navigate a fragmented health ecosystem. We're always here. We're always here to listen. We invite people's inbound inquiries. And if we're not the right source to help, don't worry about that. We're happy to direct you to someone who will. Yeah. And I've watched you in action, Gil. You are 100% spot on. You're there. You always are lending a helping hand to so many of us. You know, like you mentioned, if there's something that you can't solve, I know there's somebody a degree and a half away from you quickly that you can always connect dots to make sure that we're moving forward. Sometimes when you hear as a human being and as someone who's yourself a leader in our industry, and you hear of someone who had an amazing innovation or idea, and they struggle to bring it forward because they just didn't make the right connection, people suffer from that. And I'm not talking about the investor or the people in the company potentially patients suffer. And then we're responsible mutually. I agree. Well said, my friend. Well, of course, be able to get a hold of you. Where do we find you online, Gil? Uh, Social media, contact points, websites, or otherwise, where do we find you? Yeah, I really welcome people following me and engaging me. You know, Mike, you and I follow each other on Twitter. It's easy to find me on Twitter. It's at Gil underscore Bash, B-A-S-H-E. I welcome people to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is used expressly for me to engage on industry issues of health innovation. 
And I'm privileged to have reporters engaging me, colleagues engaging me, other CEOs are connecting and sharing ideas. I welcome that. LinkedIn is a wonderful platform. Again, I use it to express information that I think that the industry should be reading. I post all my articles there. Another place to follow me is on my Medica Life platform. Medica Life is the health professional platform on Medium. I'm privileged to be a health communications and policy author on Medica Life. That's M-E-D-I-K-A dot life. And you can find me there, my profile there. I'm also a correspondent for Health Tech World. And people are welcome to follow my pieces. I've just started with them. I've just been invited to be one of their reporters. I'm looking forward to that as well. So those are some places to follow me. And of course, you know, my contact information is on my LinkedIn profile. People should not be shy. You know, email me, send me a direct message. I'm always happy to hear from people and particularly people who are listening to Passionate Pioneers. I love it. Well, thank you for that, Gil. And all of those contact points will be in the episode notes. So in your podcast player, just simply scroll on down into those notes and click on through to get a hold of Gil. Or you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for this episode where you'll find all those links as well as an opportunity to leave comments, questions, or feedback in the comments section at the bottom of that post. Again, passionatepioneers.com. All right, Gil, we're going to wind it down. I got to tell you, I'm going to need you to come back here for some future episodes. There's obviously a ton to talk about. Love spending time with you. I'm so grateful to be able to sit down with you here today, but we have one more piece and then we're going to get you out of here. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because people don't need to suffer. People don't need to suffer. Each one of us is a helper. Each one of us is a connector. Each one of us is a communicator. I turn to my health professional colleagues and I say, I'm a passionate pioneer because to some extent, we're all on the battlefield of life. It's up to each one of us to make a difference in this world. There is no escaping from it, Mike. Every single day, we have the opportunity to help another human being. I'm passionate because I've been given the opportunity working with my Finn Partners colleagues to make that possible and to help so many people. It's a privilege and it's a passion. What a wonderful way to round out this incredibly powerful conversation today, Gil. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and to share your amazing journey. And I know you're just getting going, my friend. The energy you bring, the passion and the fervor you have to move the health of our world forward is just absolutely palpable. I love spending time with you. It's an honor. And thank you again for taking time to be with us on the podcast today. Very mutual. And please give Sean my very best to all your colleagues at Olive. You're doing amazing work, life-saving work, and really helping the system find its way of working better together. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.